0: Welcome to The Horrible Show. It is November seventeenth, 2012. This is the video game podcast from HorribleNight.com. I'm your host, Justin Lacey. Joining me tonight in studio, making faces, making me uncomfortable, as always. Josh Lee. Hey there, how you doing? Ooh, I'm much more comfortable now. (laughs) That voice does not match up to that face you were making earlier.
1: I'm excited to be podcasting today. I
0: know! We took a week off. I think it was uh, much needed after our charity marathon we were a little bit uh worn out and uh I
1: didn't want to see any of you talk to you <laughs> I didn't check my email for a week.
0: Oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Uh also joining us uh live via Hangout is Coleman Rowe. Hello. How's it going Coleman?
2: It's going great. Playing a lot of video games this yeah, week. So. Yeah, hey. what you
0: what you were you doing last week? Oh, well, I uh
2: went on a hunt. Oh, a game hunt. The game hunt, sort of like yours, the game a hunt. little less successful than yours, but eventually came out
0: on top. Actually, I I didn't realize that that my my game hunt for the Wii U was act was taking place during our normal podcast recording hours. So mm-hmm. that's that was the fruits of our week off. Was my Wii U?
2: When you when you texted me and after you said that you got one, and I was sitting at home crying. Fucking itching to go out to Target that night, but I held off until after work the next day and
0: and got one. So, man, I went through a lot of
2: emotions I that did. evening. I went to a goddamn Kmart. Yeah, you did. <laughs> newsflash, cool. newsflash: Kmart's are still ghetto as hell. So uh,
3: we did don't you, have. Kmart's did you get some Kathy Ireland brand slippers? <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs>
1: He knows that's no, real. He didn't get thigh make that He's, up. <laughs> He's
0: been waiting a hundred plus podcast episodes to pull that reference out. Yeah, <laughs> <It's just> finally, <laughs> finally. And she... that
3: Suzanne Summers is a thighmaster. What's she I doing know, this might these Be days. accurate. No, I know. What? What's
1: Kathy Ireland okay.
2: doing these days? Looking hot. That's Looking real, real really, really, st-
1: still good.
3: Still got it. I'm sure, I'm sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's all. Kmart money. She's rolling that Kmart dough. That's our Kathy Ireland super fan, Ethan Moses. Absolutely. Uh I wish you dot com. Real long URL, but you know, easy to remember. Effective too. Mm-hmm. Favorite Kathy Ireland movie role. Hot shots. Yeah,
2: Hotshots is the only one, right? Uh,
1: unnecessary roughness is mine. Oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. there we go. A little football. Go. A little Kathy Ireland. I prefer Foot
0: the I prefer the program. Balls? Yeah. The what? The program. Oh. Oh, she's was yeah, not team. in that, but oh. what we're talking oh. about unnecessary football movies.
1: That was not an unnecessary movie. That was a great film. film. Great film. <laughs> hey, don't you dare insult. That was a, it was really a, it was a Scott don't you Bakula dare vehicle. Scott Bakula. Yeah, it was a vehicle. It launched his movie career. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, because then he did the masterpiece uh, Lord of Illusions. Um, and then eventually, you know when he did wind up back on t v it was the greatest role of his life. The first captain of the enterprise
0: so <laughs> <laughs> panned out really well. thank for you him. Kathy Ireland. <laughs> yeah, we owe it all to kathy Ireland uh, so we're gathered i keep I keep using that phrase. I'm not gonna say that anymore um, tonight's topic. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, uh, addressing one of the big trends of games in 2012 is the, the power of choice in video games. Uh, we're going to look at uh, kind of the strengths and weaknesses and where it's headed um, and some of our favorite moments uh, with the choices we've made in video games. But before we do that, game industry shout-outs, what has had your attention around the headlines, Ethan?
3: Well, apparently the PC version of Grand Theft Auto 5 is not a guarantee. And the internet's not happy about that, and there's a petition going around, and it has forty-one thousand signatures. Is that a lot? It doesn't seem like a whole lot. I think it's more than it takes to get
0: notice for seceding from the union on on those surveys. So they're doing a little bit better than
3: that. Kind of, kind of. I mean, I, I don't. I guess I really don't. Understand why the petition came out as quickly as it did because I mean you're going to have to assume that it's going to come out on PC. I mean, why wouldn't it? I don't know. You I, know, all the previous oh, didn't. No, well, yeah, all the, the previous Redda GTA's did, I mean, yeah. but the last few Grand Theft Autos did.
1: Yeah, and I think it's I think it's going to be different this time around because I think Rockstar they're smart enough, and I think they see that. Think,
0: how like, different is
1: or that? well, or is it? I guess who publishes that? Take Two publishes. Yeah. So they're smart enough to know, like, hey, you know what? PC games kind of sell. They make a little bit of money now. So maybe we should do one of those. Think how different the PC landscape is
0: now from mm-hmm. when GTA four came out. Yeah.
1: Although GTA four was a shitty port. Oh. It's, was better. It late it too? it's better now, but it took some patches and some It was late too. It's still it? not. Uh yeah. Yeah, it was it did not come out um day and date. But yeah, man, I think People want it. This is this petition stuff is is kind of cool because didn't this is why we got Dark Souls, right? I think so. Didn't that PC version of that mm-hmm. I think kind of was born out of a hey, look at all these people bitching about it, not having it and uh, Operation Rainfall stuff. So people think it actually makes a difference whether it does or not, you know. But it can't hurt. And Rockstar's had a you know,
0: well they've had a spotty record lately anyway for for a series that originated there. Um, mm. It sounds like mm-hmm. it would be a sure thing without the petition, but I don't know. Yeah,
1: you never know. Did the yeah. did the two spinoffs of G, uh, what was it Liberty City stories st- oh, or did those even it, go to the other?
0: It, did they even go to PS3? The no, I I, no, I, those, I, I don't remember. I stopped playing. I think they yeah. might have been Xbox exclu- exclusive. Yeah, yeah, I think they B2 might have been two expansion
1: whatever. they come out on PC?
0: Big GTA fans
3: here on the site. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not excited for that game at all. Like, I just, (laughs) this is what, I you know, I noticed. Because I don't know, you know, the number of of signatures you need on a petition to get anything going. Like, I feel like someone's always trying to get me to sign a petition. Someone tried to get me to sign a petition on Daylight Savings Time, and I signed it. It only had 15 signatures, and I was like, how's that going to do anything, you know? So maybe 41,000 is a lot. I don't know. But this game doesn't look very fun.
0: (laughs) Just a blanket statement. Oh, uh, no, I've already got Saints Row Three. Thanks. It's kind of uh-huh. like I can't yep. tell from the trailer like how silly it's, it's gonna weird. be, and do I want it to be silly? Is there room for like a serious open world crime game in in my library? I, I, GTA Four didn't make its mark with me,
1: but I, I think if they really step up their story game, their storytelling game, I I think they can they could sell me, but. I mean, I really got to give a shit. and I, I did not care about Nico Bellic. Yeah. Like, I did not care about that character at all. Tommy Versetti was cool. And well, who was the... He'd been, like... Well... In Miami, Tommy. Hmm. CJ?
3: Yeah, I liked CJ. Yeah. But... Well, I, just, I mean, GTA but, four was such a slow beginning. Like, I just... I didn't care about the, t- the guy from... from 45 the 45 minutes to get into it. I was like... Fuck this! Well, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, Saints yeah, Row Three. I mean, come on! Like, I hate to compare it, but like the very beginning of that game was just everything that you've ever yeah. needed in a game, like right off the bat. So I don't know. Well, but
1: just imagine though, even with a slower start, if it's a character that you give a shit about and a, a story mm-hmm. setup that is that is interesting, then yeah. it could turn out to you know that can work. That can work just fine. Um, but again, yeah. they bank so much on that. They're like, oh man, yeah, you're gonna take this. These these characters seriously. We're gonna like throw cutscenes at you. We're gonna do it. We got they got that rock star style that everybody was talked about being so awesome. And then, I with GTA Four, I was like, "Wow, dude, you guys missed hard on that on that part of it." And mm-hmm. and yeah, and so so Saints Row took the the fun fuck off bits from G, the GTA <laughs> series and made those even better. So I think that it's if the story isn't compelling. I don't think the majority of it, it, even if it sells well, I still don't think people are going to. They're going to give a damn. Can Saints Row change the name of its DLC to "Fuck Off Bits"? <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why not. I'm I'm not stopping them from doing that.
0: Cole, what's your game industry shout out?
2: Um, we've kind of we've talked about this a lot on our site, um, just with the different way women are treated in gaming. And um, over the weekend, there was a hashtag that went out called. Uh, one reason why and it was a bunch of females in the game industry talking about um, the reason why that they don't come out and say that they uh, necessarily work in the game industry um, just because of the way they are treated Um, I saw a tweet tonight that was from uh, John Romero's wife that said motherfuckers I'm not arm candy (laughs) I develop games so um, it's just kind of like more sexism, sexism awareness um, on the internet. Like a uh, bunch of people or a bunch of girls are saying, like you know, they're fond of that gaming events even though they're uh, developing the game. Or um,
3: messed up. Yeah, guys is, will
2: go up to this, I, guys. Guys will go up to the other guys um, at their table and talk, to, ask them the serious questions, and say, you know, just kind of. Brush the girls off all the time, so they're just kind of tired of it, and um, they just want to make a d- stand. And um, they are they are kind of getting some backlash from those douchebag gamers that are saying get over it, uh, which is unfortunate because I think you know women in games is an important thing, and they need to be respected. So
0: I I mean I shouldn't at this point be surprised, but like there were just so many uh, little eye opening tweets, um, especially just like from someone that's always been interested in in game development processes and there was one about um how she like at, in their office um she had moved desks and when she moved desks everybody that would come into to like she was at the 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 first desk at the beginning of the office and people assumed she was the receptionist when a male developer had been sitting there for a year or whatever, and had never gotten asked that that type of question. It's just like no one assumes that like there are female developers, and um, it's really sad when they can't get out there. And you know, they don't want to they don't want promote their games just because of the the shitty backlash that that the internet gives them. And uh, um, it was it was yeah. a really uh, kind of eye opening article. It was really interesting.
3: Hey, I,
1: well, dudes are
0: dicks?
3: I, I, I think. <laughs> you, well, I don't think it's dudes that are dicks. I think it's—I mean, I'm sorry. Like the demographic is not—I don't know. I just—I I love video games. I—I I hate the demographic sometimes. I mean, like it's just the people that you hear talking. This 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 vocal so freaking loud and so freaking obnoxious. They've never had sex, more than likely, and they hate women because of that. And so you see it in all these different situations. I mean, it's it's nuts. Like it's nuts nuts how just said misogynistic everybody is right now like it's no longer a thing like oh everything is 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 sexist and like everyone's taking it too seriously it's just it's absolutely insane to, to level that some of these dudes take it. and i think all they need to do take these kids out and they're kids i mean let's be honest here i mean can we be honest here for the most part a lot of these guys are kids and and a kid can be up until 50 years old uh, let's get them a blowjob. Yes. Let's get these kids a blowjob from a lady. Don't reward their behavior. Whatever makes them feel good. Let's a get dude, some of that sexual don't... tension out so you stop hating Bro women. Job. Yeah.
1: It should be you one know? of the other dudes Whatever. who's being an asshole. They should have to blow each other, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Bro yeah,
4: job.
1: Yeah, this, I think that some of, and these are all going to be completely different scenarios. Um, same, maybe, end result here, which is. You know, bullshit. But I think that the guys who are not taking part in this but are witness to it need to need to stand up and open their mouths and not worry about the job so much. Because you know, so much crap goes down, and not even just like sexist stuff. Just like all kinds of bullshit goes down, especially in a corporate environment or you know where things get real comfortable, and then people start to you know show their true colors and. Everything, no one, wants to, no one wants to rock the boat. They'll just be like, well, that guy's an asshole, and they'll talk about it at the water cooler, but they won't do anything about it, and you don't know, and and some people are like, ah, brush it off, and other people are like, you know, like, that really hurt my feelings. At the end of the day, if somebody's doing something that is just straight up, like, you know, wrong, or in a lot of cases illegal, or, you know, that kind of thing, then, you know, stand up and say, so don't put up with bullshit, like, see. Like, hey, I saw a guy do some do something stupid, say something ignorant to a female. Like, needs somebody needs to go. Hey, dude, you need to shut the fuck up because you're an asshole. And you know, if you get fired for that, you sh- then you should just probably punch him in the face and on the way out. And then <laughs> yeah. guess what? Like, he he is gonna know exactly what he did wrong, and he won't do it again. It's a small price to pay. You get another job. Yeah, that guy will also get a new attitude. Yeah. Win win. Right, solution. I I just fixed this. Start punching people in the face. I
3: don't see. I don't really see. No, that's dude. Dude, that's the thing. There needs to be like like an internet equivalent to a punch in the face because that's the biggest issue. Is I know we have some of this real life stuff, but it's it's the whole everyone's anonymous. You can say whatever the hell you want. There needs to be like an internet punch to the face, like. But Maybe every time you say something, Dicky, your actual name and address flashes up really yeah. quickly. You know, just <laughs> yeah. real quick. Right. Like the more you, the more Dicky stuff you say. I mean, that's the thing, and and this leads to this behavior at conventions or whatnot because these groups of like-minded individuals who have been fueling each other over the internet get together and they cackle and they they you know do all this stuff and it's like you know all right let's let's. Come on, we we need to kick some nuts. Like we need some kick some internet nuts. We're kicking nuts or right your faces.
0: Both. Okay. This is Both. Cla- just Love clarifying it, for those taking. You want to send a message? Double kick.
1: <laughs> oh, I, Drop I guess, kick to the nuts. I
0: mean, I wasn't surprised by you know that they can't publicize that they're working on a game like online. Like we know the internet's idiots, and you know a game a gaming conventions. Still, a bunch of gross, gross people. But the fact that they're also running into stuff in the workplace was really kind of, tr- really troubling. Just um, that that developer, some of those development teams can be such such a boys' club, and um, that yeah. it's, it just seems to be lagging behind a lot of other under, other industries. And uh, at least this gives it, um, you know, a, kind of a positive voice, like m- and raising awareness, kind of like uh, fat, yeah. fat, ugly, or slutty with the, the whole gamer side of it, and. Um so hopefully more you know positive change comes from this but I thought it was kind of a a nice little nice little hashtag campaign that uh, got a lot of attention. Yeah. Well,
1: hopefully more women uh get like management roles as more women enter the industry and move their way up and that way I mean you're not going to have any of that stuff when yeah, the one's in charge like you know the guys yeah. just they just won't do it cuz you're not going to change people overnight. Yeah. But uh, so to curb the behavior, you kind of need to change the situation, and and so it's all these different fronts. But yeah, it's cool that's you know somebody's okay. drawing attention to it.
0: We're getting a hashtag recommendations from chat. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you see see a dude being a dick
3: to a girl, give him a Josh Lee punch <laughs> in the face. Hey, yeah. If you just see a dude being a dick, let's do that. Let's let's open this up, man. Too many dicks in this world, not <laughs> enough kicks. You know what I mean? <laughs> kicks for dicks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> dot. Dot. Com.
1: See if that's
0: a. There's your hashtag.
3: Kicks for dicks.
1: <laughs> Josh, what is your shout out? Uh, so today I read an article on Gamasutra, as I often do. Um, Ian Bo- Bogost. Bogosts. I don't know how to pronounce that. You know. Nope. Yeah, he co-wrote the. um uh That Atari book, Racing the Waves, written something. You're the expert no? here. I don't know. God, you guys don't got, know anything. I got nothing. Help me out. Okay, so anyways, he has, this, uh, he has this, uh, <laughs> s- this Persuasive Games <laughs> series. He's, he's like a uh, Georgia uh, Institute of Technology professor, and he has a game studio company, whatever, and he writes and all that stuff. His writing's really good. Um, persuasive Games is the series um, that he has on Gamma Sutra, and um, he wrote a Wii U piece that um, was re- It is was very thought-provoking. I thought it was really cool, really well thought out. And it went through, it was really about um, how, um, it was just kind of trying to analyze like exactly how the Wii U with its, like the design of the the second screen thing, exactly um, how it's maybe a little deeper than we're giving it credit for. Sure. Um, A lot of it is possibilities wise, granted, but. Um, and then where Nintendo just came from with that, and he went all the way back to 1983 and the the video game crash, and then saying, you know, this is something Atari Atari back then was trying to get families to uh, come together in the living room around the TV and have this group experience kind of thing, and then like that uh, as and the Nintendo around Wii era then was uh, trying to kind of get back to that original message and um but that they almost with with the nes when they released that it almost kind of was a step backwards as far as the diversity of the games and all that it was mm. like look at the he was like look at the atari and all the games you could buy now granted they weren't all great but you could you know there he he listened to all awesome stuff he's like look that you could play um you know they, they had everything from pac-man to pong to you had uh flight games you know like barnstorming and you had there's rodeo games there's uh uh, masturbation games. You've got, <laughs> you know. He's like, listening. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know. That's, that's, Some of those are more yeah. family friendly than others. Yeah, but but the, but the idea of like that that there is kind of something for everyone, and the, and then it was kind of testing the waters with different types of experiences. Um, they weren't doing anything really different with controls, but so uh, and then that was a real step backwards, like when Nintendo came out with the original NES. Like you didn't really. It was everything was kind of like. Sports games and platformers and whatever. But, um, it was just a really, it's just a really interesting read, uh, just, uh, taking a look at, uh, Nintendo kind of as a whole, but then also the Wii U and that, that experience of like, you know, here are these, you've got these two screens in front of you, but it's not exactly, it's like that, it's dividing your attention at all times. And if you played Zombie U or, um, even the multiplayer stuff like in Nintendo Land, it kind of does that same thing where you, Are looking at, you know, you're kind of, you got to look between the two screens and they're doing, they're giving you completely different kinds of information and it forms a kind of a whole experience that while, yeah, I think that's kind of been, you know, the DS has done it, um, and you're going to, you kind of see it with non-interactive stuff now with like smart screen, uh, or smart glass and, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get some of that. There's going to be more of that, you know, down the road, um. HBO's got it now, and I think AMC does this up too. But um, as far as with games, it's uh, it's just also like bringing it to like you're you're completely tethered to that couch multiplayer and co-op you know uh, environment like they did with the Wii. But it's like here's this thing, and they've been they've they've experimented with this you know for a while. It's it's a, it's a second screen, but it's also it, uh, doing something with your Attention! That is almost in the way you think about the games. This is just something you know in a different way, and I, it was just really interesting. It made me think about it, and it, it, in a way that wasn't before. Because the way I was looking at the Wii U, especially before I actually got my hands on it, was you know just from the point of like, what do the games look like? What are the games? What are the games? I didn't. The game pad to me was just a. I've got a DS. I know second screen to me is always a menu. It's just menu options, so I don't have to hit start and interrupt what's on the main screen. I just do it right here. That to me that's kind of what is always going to be um and a little bit of the AR stuff. But I think there can be more to it than that. While and and Nintendo Land doesn't I think maybe an okay job of demonstrating some of that um and almost in it just easier way like they used to do with uh the GameCube GBA link stuff which we were about this far away from doing for the live stream. Or for the uh, marathon, but um, you know where you've got um, one person's looking at a TV or people are looking at a TV, one person's looking at a different screen or whatever, but um, and now I'm thinking, wow, okay, maybe especially with the eShop stuff and the indie developers, there might be you might see some really cool stuff that that we're talking about next year that we go, holy crap, you know, like just like we have for the last couple of years with all that stuff on Steam and you know, th- those kinds of, uh, you know, a Minecraft or... Well, um, kind
0: of um, related to that point, the fact that they're allowing developers to set their own pricing for games in the yeah. eShop. I mean, they've lowered the barriers at least where the potential is there mm-hmm. if people seize that opportunity. And, I mean, while I think... I, just going through my Thanksgiving experience of some of my highlights with the Wii, I think a lot of us had this, was bringing the Wii to... The family events around the holidays, just because the system had just come out. Uh, those first couple uh, um, holiday seasons with with the Wii were a lot of fun in bringing in the entire family to play. Now I didn't feel like as welcoming with that with the Wii U. Like it, as far as uh, it's not going to get the just universal acceptance, I'm going to have to like kind of talk it up a little bit. But at the same time, um, when I started getting excited about the Wii U, it was from you know, we've we've been talking a lot about couch co-op this year, and just getting back to local multiplayer, and just how uh, different and how much more fun of an experience that can be. Um, and um, the the game pad makes for an interesting um, addition addition to that. And I, I hope I hope the 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 potential is you know they they, f- they fulfill that, but because um, it's definitely there. Definitely, when it's used effectively, it's really cool. Um, and as I You know, back in college, uh, we actually did a lot of. I did at least two different games with the the Game Boy Advance hookups. We played Mm -hmm. uh, Crystal Chronicles and Four Swords that way. And those are standout experiences. They were like, there's nothing else like them. And there's, again, the potential with that for the Wii U. And the fact that it's coming back around to still trying to find ways to play games with people locally is really interesting to me uh, at this day and age when. We're also used to playing online, but I, for anyone that has been purely focused on multiplayer online in the last um, half decade or whatever it's been, go out of your way to have a kind of LAN experience with four to six of your close friends, and yeah. and tell me which which
1: you prefer at the end of the end of the night because it was kind of an eye opening experience for me in the last few years. I think a lot of people can't do that. You know, there are a lot of gamers out there that just don't sure. have that many. Friends that are local that would they, they get together with, and um, and that's un, you know that's too bad, um, because uh, not having that issue like that, yeah, I've had good time so far with the uh, you know with the local multiplayer stuff, and that to me that is the the like multiplayer gaming in its purest form when you can see a face and when you can interact, um, and react uh, in a way that you'll never be able to do online. You'll need a second screen to do it online. the way you do it in person and not just like, I mean, on a gamepad. I mean, you need like the Cisco video wall, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you're going to need that thing where it's like they're full (laughs) size and they're like right there on the wall next to your TV. That's for your video conferencing. And this is for the entertainment. Like you'd have to have, and that's, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So I think, uh, yeah, there's still like a lot of value in that. And I appreciate that Nintendo has some pretty cool (laughs) hardware designs based around promoting or fostering that experience and i really hope and again i think it's going to be probably mostly a, a hope out of the indie scene yeah. on the e that's what i'm most excited about If too. you know because they're they're trying to make it easier and that's awesome so we'll see though so we, if, we if,
3: go ahead go ahead Ethan. if i buy a wii u will it will uh, nintendo help me find some local friends uh, because uh, you just talked about how awesome it is, and I'm just made sad. just sad now after hearing all this. Like, oh, it's great! You can get a bunch of your local buddies together and, <laughs> and come onto a couch and sit next to each other and share snacks, and it's the best. It, it, online playing's for idiots. <laughs> so yeah, I'm crying. did I say idiots. <laughs> you know, not unlike that Native American man from that pollution commercial in the '70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't bring
0: that up around your friends that have. Recently moved overseas. Yeah, that'd be my advice.
1: <laughs> we uh, can we can exchange uh, pictures on Meverse, though. <laughs> Over okay, yeah. there, yeah. you know Yoshi, you know what I'm talking uh, Yoshi about
0: Yoshi drawings. That's what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yosh, <laughs> my boy. Uh, my shout out, and you can find all the links to these shout outs in our show notes when when we post the podcast uh, every Wednesday. Um, but my shout out goes goes double fine. They continue to. Be a super cool development studio. Um, so a while back, they, what, I think, towards the tail end of Brutal Legend is when this their their first Amnesia Fortnite um, uh, occurred, which is kind of their internal. Hey guys, we're gonna take we're gonna take two weeks off of of what we've been doing, and let's let's generate some new ideas. And um, the last Amnesia Fortnite um, spawned four games uh, that became Costume Quest, uh, stacking. Uh, once, once upon a monster and, uh, Iron Brigade. Those are the four. Um, yeah. You make me doubt myself. But I'm pretty confident here. Um, no, you're right. You're right. Yep. So, uh, it, Double Fine just kind of split up the company to kind of pursue prototypes of, of, of new ideas that ended up becoming, um, you know, a fun bunch of games that of, we're getting a lot more <laughs> Double Fine releases at the same time. So it kind of worked out for the fans. Anyway, they're, they recently revisited um, uh, the amnesia Fortnite idea and teamed up with the humble bundle guys, humble action pack for uh, those that prefer that moniker. Um, Thank you. And yeah, uh, they came up with a bunch of prototype idea, uh, a bunch of ideas for games, and uh, allowed um, a- allowed the fans to basically vote which which of these prototypes should we develop into the into the games uh, over no, which of these ideas should we develop into prototypes during our amnesia fortnight. And then you would back the games, um, and donate to, uh, the humble bundle, uh, child's play or uh, double fine based on however you wanted to divide up your money. And, uh, uh, they've chosen their four games, but it was just every time I kind of like, you know, I thought, honestly, I thought the Kickstarter was the top, the top at four where double fine, as far as double fines outreach was going to get just like the fact that, you know they're the ones that kind of put Kickstarter on the map for a lot of gamers, and the success that uh, the Double Fine Adventure had and its fundraising was really interesting story to kind of witness. Um, and uh, they still keep coming up with these unique ideas, and uh, they're just a really fun studio to root for. And I can't wait to see uh, where these where these games go. And they've got you know the, they're working on the Cave that's coming out soon, and then uh, the that's Ron Gilbert's,
1: yeah. Uh, adventure puzzler yeah
0: and then they had the double find adventure that'll yeah. still that they're still working on for next year so lots of good stuff coming out from them but um, just that they're continue to be innovative they're an independent studio and um you know they were they're kind of in some tough tough times around uh after the release of brutal legend <laughs> and especially around the development of that mm-hmm. game that they've been able to kind of bounce back and like I said we're getting more unique experiences from them
1: uh, based on all that and it's just really cool to watch. I mean, how long do you think they can keep doing the That's, small games? Like I don't know. I mean, I guess I um trenched Iron Brigade is probably like the biggest game they've had, right? I mean as far as like I think in so. scope.
0: I guess yeah. Out of I would guess I'm guessing the cave's a little bit bigger.
1: Maybe you think so? I don't know. It's like I don't know anything about the size of the the they individual. I mean, teams. they haven't
0: tackled a big AAA release, obviously,
1: and I don't know. I mean, if they're making money, they're making money. I mean, I don't know why if this would, is like this they? is like uh, kind of the other. But but you know, is it long term money or is it just like to get to the next thing? And if so, how do you sustain that? Because like the industry changes so quickly, and but like can it turn on double fine? I mean, it sounds like the way that.
0: I think they're growing and they're they're agile. If they have like four different teams working on these four different games, I mean they've they've got some flexibility there and they're they're making yeah. the revenue from new places compared to some other studios and you know, I don't know if there's any need for them to go back to triple A games and um we know there's no mid tier anymore,
3: right? Right, That's a- <laughs> right.
0: And this is this is where they're at.
3: Well but I mean, arguably, they could, they could be kind of maintaining that level, you know, low to mid tier. Because, I mean, if you're looking at the big AAA games, though, I mean, those aren't a guarantee anymore either. So I think if you've got enough small teams, you know, taking care of a couple different games, a couple different genres, being able to experiment. So let's say you're doing four games, one of them is just just nuts. Just something that no one's ever seen before. Maybe it'll do well. Maybe it won't. But that, I mean, that gives you, you know, that that agility and that flexibility Justin was talking about. I mean, looking at the games that they're offering, they're all very different. Like it's not even, you know, there, there's you've got Brazen to Ray How- Harryhausen kind of fighting mythological creatures type deal. Um, you've got uh, what is it? The hack the hacking game that's essentially uh, an RPG flash. where you're hacking the game to like everything that they're coming out with within that, the amnesia Fortnite is so different. And I think that that is what's going to keep them going because if one fails out of, out of four different games, sure. one of them has to be good. I mean, it has to or unique enough to get attention.
2: Yeah. And I think like, you know, they coming out of brutal legend is kind of what led to all this. And I don't think they want to go back to that the creatively workout. and or fiscally can go back to that. All their, um, all their eggs so in I basket. think,
0: What's that? Like they don't want to have all their eggs in one basket anymore,
2: right? Yeah, because yeah. I mean they were. I think after that they were in pretty dire straits and came up with this idea to go smaller on purpose and uh, and, and and diversify their business with different games. So I think it's I think it's a definitely a good move, and I don't think they necessarily have to go back to yeah making that big AAA title or even a lower or a mid tier title like a double A. Game like the you guys that that has been missing from the market because it could bankrupt them, you know, if it's not successful. And these little games don't necessarily cost as much, but can be more profitable in the end.
0: Yeah, I guess I hadn't I hadn't thought about it till you brought it up, Josh. Just like I don't know if they need to. (laughs) I don't like I, you know, I want my Psychonauts two or I want my Psychonauts HD or like, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also okay with like these kind of fun diversions that I've had and. You know, for me, Costume Quest really hit home. Just the timing of it, like, uh, and then and then Iron Brigade, like those two just alone have been been worth my double fine library, personally.
1: I just, I just, uh, I would hate to miss out on a a potential amazing game experience because they can't or don't want to take the risk. Sure, for that, you know, they have, you know, Schaefer's got some grand idea, but then mm, that's. Too big of a risk. Too it's too big of a game, require too many resources. Or maybe like not gonna do it. Like that would be the other part of this was a lot of these games were based off the brutal
0: engine that they spent so much time working on Mm. for Brutal Legend, and they're trying to find a quick a quick way to pump out some more some more games to get more use out of out of the R and D that went into that, and maybe maybe the next gen will allow them to kind of build up some tech or, or
1: have they been getting any publisher dollars? I'm not sure from anywhere?
0: I mean, the, like Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft was a part of some of the, some
3: of the.
1: Some we of don't the know games. if they got if they were getting paid. I don't know. I don't know.
3: Wait. So is Double Fine the complete opposite from most AAA studios in that they're cautious about putting too much money into something that could suck, as opposed to experimenting <laughs> with a bunch of little ideas that might suck? That's that's kind of a cool idea, actually. Like if you really <laughs> think about it, yeah. I it's, like that. I like that a lot. That's why that. That story's just been
0: so so much fun to follow in the last two years. So, really anxious to see what's what's next from them, and then can't wait to get my hands on Double Fine Adventure.
1: If this, you know, if they continue to have success there, the commercialized game jam, you're going to see other people doing it. That has to, from the outside, from from. The inside, outside, like other game developers, yeah, I mean, um, they, they they've got to be so jealous. Some people have to be just really jealous. Like, oh my god, I wish, yeah, because you I can only do, do it with a certain some, type of fan base. But yeah, it makes so much sense for them, especially being able to create so many different things in a shorter amount of time. Like so there are guys that spend three years working on one game, <laughs> making one thing. Not you know in that amount of time, somebody you know a Double Fine may have made six things and that that sounds pretty awesome it's got to sound great from a creative standpoint
0: yeah uh, moving on to horrible shout outs a uh, little little twist this week um looking back at what yeah looking back at our <laughs> that's my twist that's my twist like <laughs> reacting to a twist
4: It
3: wasn't good you should have spit take all over the webcam That's really <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> And uh, make
2: an elephant noise while you do stuff. I was gonna say
3: my cat already vomited on my modem today, so I'm not gonna spit beer <laughs> on my computer.
0: <laughs> uh, horrible shout outs this week are looking back at our charity marathon. If you go to our Twitch TV slash horrible night uh videos page, you'll see the highlights that we've cut from all the different games that we played during the that twenty four hour charity marathon. Thanks for everybody that supported us in Child's Play. Um but looking back at those games, fellas, what are your what's what, what are your highlights? From the charity marathon.
1: Josh, look excited. Oh, man. Because you started talking about the charity, and the closer it got to that moment right there, I just, the, I could hear the trucks revving up. <laughs> 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 I could feel the rumble in the in my ass. I could feel it in my steering wheel. I was ready to shift into first gear and uh, dump a truck over into a river upside down. <laughs> or try to run up a mountain and fall backwards instead and crash and die um trucks uh I've, i have trucks to i have written down trucks to Big Island Ramp Time Rally i don't know what that's about but we <laughs> in in both at one of our Halo 4 sessions and our entire Dead Island session was really all about trucks and uh um i don't know what this is I, i've always enjoyed getting into vehicles in multiplayer games and then driving them the way they were not meant to be driven um, and doing stupid things, it's fun to show off because everyone sees it when you do something awesome. They also see it when you do something dumb. So you're either cheering or you're laughing, and either way, it's a good time for somebody. For, and um, <laughs> and uh, and I just uh, I we had those so many moments like our Halo Four multiplayer stuff where we were like tr- it was trucks only, and you couldn't shoot unless you were in a truck. Um, <laughs> and so that was uh, that was pretty fun. We had to. A uh, four man game. Uh, shout out to Aaron for jumping in with us on that one. That was really awesome. And with Dead Island, uh, that w- we that was a block of like you know it'd been a long time since we slept. Yeah, things were. It's hour twenty two. We were in the you know that zone where your brain's not. I just yeah doing much, and uh, I don't know how entertaining that was from the outside. Maybe not at all. But I had a really good time when we got into the trucks because I was just I was driving trucks in a lot of places they shouldn't go and the physics in that game are kind of wonky and um, you get stuck on things and then the truck starts acting weird and at one point and no one could see this on the stream because it was Justin was uh, the, the the stream uh, machine but on mine I was in a truck and I end up, um I'm on a road and I see a little opening in some trees to the left and I. Turned. I just veered off at full speed. Turns out it was like on. It was a cliff and like a big mountain pass. But there were like uh, there was a walkway going down it. And I took and I ramped the truck down there. And it got jammed up on some like on like a landing on these stairs. And it was just kind of. It was doing a weird thing in the air. It was vertical and it was wonking out. And zombies were coming and I was stuck in it. And I'm yelling for help. Uh, I don't know who it was. Someone came and got. I think it might have been Coop came and got me out of there eventually. And the truck squirted out. And but we're driving around the beach, ramping stuff, we're doing donuts in the <laughs> driving ocean, in the, driving in the water, in the ocean. We're driving in the ocean. Yeah, it was, it was so stupid. It's so much fun. Like I think more games need, uh, vehicles to drive multiplayer, specifically trucks though, because like the warthog, whether it's a warthog, which is like the world's most advanced truck, or it's those like, 80s Toyota Tacomas in Dead Island, <laughs> like it doesn't matter what it's a, if it's a truck, you're gonna have a good time. Just that's bottom well,
3: line. The, the funny, the funny thing is, while you guys were playing that game, I was also playing Dead Island, but I was playing by myself, and I was in a scene where like there weren't any trucks at all, and it was kind of tense and kind of scary. And so I hear all this laughter and fun and just glee going on, <laughs> you know, you know, to the left of me, and here I am, like kind of on the edge of my seat, like you know, because uh, there's some scenes in that game that can get get a little bit get a little bit kooky, get a little bit yeah. scary. And I was like, man, these guys are having so much fun. I <laughs> wish they were here.
4: <laughs> oh
3: because oh, oh. i was yeah. scared i was i'm in the jungle man the jungle gets fucking spooky you know no <laughs> trucks in the jungle well there's a couple wait until uh war
1: z gets trucks we're gonna oh man mr dave and chainsaw murphy are gonna just ramp just in like into the sunset
0: uh, yeah that. that's we actually, don't get shot first. so that's actually my shout out is our <laughs> Our little, that was kind of the middle middle of the night. Uh, I think Cole might have actually passed out during during this this portion. Um, but yes, I, w- I was looking forward to <laughs> yes. I was looking forward to witnessing Ethan play the War Z. He's been talking a lot about it the last few weeks and trying to really build up the camaraderie around the game and find some bros. That's always been his mission. And then uh, so we 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 this was part of our gaming session with with Ethan and Josh was playing alongside of him and uh, we. Neil Marr from chat actually joined us, and uh, at one point, that was but, awesome. Um, you know, they get into their War Z server, and they happen to spawn right next to each other, which I that think was awesome, uh, which was handy. Uh, but as soon as you guys encountered your first, your first person, your first human, <laughs> all the questions started arising. Any and Josh was basically the person trying to convince us that we should we should befriend this person. Ethan was uh, a little gun shy. Um, so that, that, that was,
3: that was interesting to see the psychology playing. Uh, well, I wanted to run away because I felt like, you know, Josh and I already were at a point where like we had a pretty good friendship going on. And when you introduce too many friends, it gets a little bit tense, a little bit awkward. You know what I mean? Uh, cause I was pretty sure that we were going to get shot because the individual that walked up on us had a, had a shotgun and they <laughs> looked, they had a helmet, they had they, a shotgun, didn't look
0: good. We had nothing. They could have taken you down with no problem. It was oh, probably yeah, no, it was not a, at all. <laughs>
3: yeah, so, you know. Yeah. I kind of wanted to just, like, I figured it would just be me and Josh hiding the whole time. And that would not have been fun at all to, for anybody to watch. And I'm glad that didn't happen, but but it's even, a tense game. Even um, all of chat and me, I was kind of
0: doing commentary during this. We were, as soon as, like, she didn't kill you guys. Yeah. As soon as she would turn your back, chat and me were right. There. Killer. Just do it. Just I get know. Over it. It. And, yeah. But Josh held strong, and I think that must carry through to Ethan. Where-
1: it's because of Ethan's Rotabulous video. That's why I had such a positive attitude towards the stranger.
3: <laughs> Ethan is the one who taught I- me the ways of friendship. Well, and I, w- I would have never killed her. I would have run away. There's two things I do in that game. I never kill people. I run away or I make friends with you. Either one. And that's actually what I do in real life as well, which looks really strange on the street when you encounter me. But um, definitely there was no point where I was going to kill that, that that lovely lady or dude as a lady, whichever. But um, you may, ah, that game is so tense. Ugh. So tense, but it was fun. Great fun. We got shot big time, though, at the end. Well, that's that what was, I was going to say. That was a good
0: finale. I was going to say we you, you built up, you you found your your stranger, and then we found uh, Neil Moore from chat jumped in. We yeah. had a, a a solid group of four running around, spirits are high. So naturally, the War Z turns into the War Z, and the entire squad gets taken out by a sniper. Who then proceeded to loot all of our stuff. And I was like, I just thought that was like a perfect encapsulation of what that game has to offer in about 10 minutes from you guys running around as a big
1: strong group of friends and one douchebag ruins it. Yep. Uh, We don't know. Maybe he had kids. He was trying to, you know, he had maybe like a baby or something like that. And he needed to, he needed supplies. (laughs) He needed the instant oatmeal. I don't know. But. I just wish he would have said something first. Like, if he'd said, like, I'm going hey, to can shoot I get you? some food? <laughs> you know, can we trade? And if we had been like, you know, no, screw you, buddy. And then he shot us, I'd be like, fair, you know, fair and square. Fair and square. It was you against us, and you won. Like, good job. <laughs> but it was just like a, you know, bang, somebody's dead. Like, wait, what has happened? And then bang, someone else is dead. And like, I don't even know what's going on. I, is there zombies? Did somebody? Was that our gunshots? I don't even know what's happening. And I walk out of the back door of this building and pop right in the face. I mean, I'll turn this no, all. You first. and I were,
3: we were starving to death. We had no food. Like we were looking for food. We we were we were completely yeah. just. Uh, we had nothing. We were weak. We had we bandages, but we didn't have any
1: sustenance. Yeah, couldn't eat. You can't eat yeah, galls. It
3: was. Well, whoever did that, whoever did that, and I, I actually mentioned in the chat. You just killed some guys that were doing this for charity. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I kind of felt bad about that because maybe that guy was like, "Oh shit, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to be a normal dick, not a high level dick." So <laughs> Kicks for dicks.
1: Not a kick. Maybe in the he's that like,
3: kind of dick. Maybe that guy was like a surgeon
1: <laughs> in a children's hospital or something. <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah. Really? Okay. And a philanthropist. Ethan, what's your horrible shout-out? Full-on rapist. You know, I think um, when we were playing, by the time you guys were about halfway through, I was—I had actually already been up for about 26 hours, so I was kind of lagging behind a little bit. Um, and then Justin and I played Saints Row 3, which came at like the perfect time because Saints Row 3 is the kind of game that it just silly. Like we didn't do anything. We were just being real silly the whole time, <laughs> and we were silly for like an hour and a half. Like I actually, like looking back on it, I thought we only played for maybe yeah. half an hour. We played for a really long freaking time, and we accomplished absolutely nothing. I think our biggest <laughs> success was you doing a handstand on the back of my flying motorcycle.
4: <laughs> <laughs> With, so I, mean, with, like, with, I
3: definitely needed that that pump up with the Frank
1: McDonald character he was playing too. It was hideous. Oh my god, <laughs> that you have to you have to see that. Like I can't even begin to describe that character. But if you think you've seen some crazy yeah, crazy characters in Saints Row, that one will make you sick to your stomach. Yeah, on, on a regular basis. <laughs> I gotta say, you got. I was wa I was a uh, I was man in the the chat on that one. I was watching that stream and. I've played a lot of Saints Row. I've played a lot of those those you know, the the fuck off games. But I've never seen zanier antics <laughs> than I did. I, you guys, it's not like you guys were aiming for that kind of stuff. I don't think. I mean, it just stuff would happen. You know, you like, oh, let's go do something stupid. But just like the dumbest things would happen with the physics. You know, the, the asshole physics of the game were in just a, in rare form, and just like seeing those like. Big plump golden butt cheeks just spreading and flying <laughs> through the air every five seconds was, I mean, I was I was laughing really hard for the majority of that hour and a half session. I
0: think that carried <laughs> us through a majority of the night. Like that oh. was my, like things were starting to fade. Like um, we'd already lost Cole and Ethan was on yeah. his way out. I think before the game started, but
1: I was, it was hilarious. I,
3: yeah, and you're you're right. No, we, I thought I, we played for like me thirty minutes. Year five hours I think like I really think it gave me an extra five hours and then I just I crashed really hard but yeah I I and for some reason at some point Justin decided that I think he was going to be like like he was going to attack me but like in that game it's kind of tough to attack your co-operated partner so it was just he and I driving vehicles (laughs) in each other like you know gaining one another's trust and then driving a vehicle that that went on for maybe half an
0: hour all I kept thinking was the uh The dark night scenes of the basically the I was outside of the car, I was the Joker in the middle of the street, and you're like running at me at the with the car, like I can do anything. And then the asshole physics took over,
4: and Mm -hmm. it's
0: a good time, (laughs) Cole. Frank McDonald, what stood out to you? Um.
2: Before I get into what really Not stood much, out, but... I just want to give a sh- a shout down to uh, Hunter, The Reckoning, the worst game that was played <laughs> that night.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh you're so sad. Oh. Had such good intentions. It was so terrible. We, I mean, we. Almost... I think everybody
2: fell asleep while we were playing it.
1: <laughs> yes, no, because we after and it wasn't until so afterwards when we all admitted it because we were too like asleep <laughs> to even notice that everyone else is asleep. Because I was just like, I hope no one we, notices. We, we, <laughs> yeah. we almost did an oh. entire GameCube focused. <laughs> charity marathon and yeah. that would have man that just which could have been awesome but that wouldn't have been the game to do but it, i gotta say <laughs> that so i i had fond memories of that game yeah me too pretty fond memories for play, four player local co-op especially i thought like, you know it's yeah. like that and like gauntlet legends that game sucks but it's fun on a couch and uh but anyway so i was thinking i'm like you know we talked about at one point it was mentioned eternal darkness if we'd played you know we might we were gonna maybe play that I'm glad we didn't, and now, and I don't want to now, because <laughs> I think that it is going to look like ass. I think it's going to be slow. I don't think it's going to be necessarily fun to actually control and play. I don't think it's going to hold up. I don't want to ruin it. I want to just keep the memories that I have that it's way in the back, and yeah, so a lot of that GameCube stuff I think I'm going to avoid doing, although I'm still going to play the Rogue Squadron games. No. Cole, okay. The,
2: the, the high notes. So my real shout out is the sports, the kind of random sports <laughs> segment that we had. Um, I, with I woke up to that, which was weird. <laughs> so we did Ken Griffey Jr. baseball home run derby. Yeah. With a tournament, and did, coop ended up winning, right?
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah,
2: coop ended up winning that. Um, and that's fun. Didn't he use Just, one of the little dudes too? That's yeah, we were,
0: I don't think anybody
1: used Griffey. Oh, yeah, he
2: used a. Uh, He's no, dead. I think Griffey's not able to be used in that sort of situations, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you gotta, you have to. Oh, that's house our rule, that.
2: but yeah, yeah. Yeah, our rule. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Coop used a Walt Weiss uh, familiar and uh, won the Home Run Derby with like way more than Justin had.
0: Yeah, my last round, we were playing two out of three. I think I won the first match out of Coop and I, and then he won the second two, but the last one. Like two home runs, fifteen
1: to two. That music, <laughs> it just plays Catacorn. and plays. And, oh, good and then music, um, good right before I left
2: to go get a Wii U, try to get a Wii U. We played some Blitz in the morning. Yeah, well, which okay. which isn't. I don't know. It's it's not as fun as I remember the N sixty four one being. Especially when we played that four-player. Sure. Um, it's just not. not the same. Yeah. And then uh, we we loaded up... Uh, was it Bases Loaded 2 or yeah, RBI Baseball base Loaded, loaded two. 2. That was
1: awesome. That was a great game base of baseball. Loaded 2.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we played a whole game of it.
1: Like that, <laughs> that should have been on ESPN it, Classics. It was fun. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I was, was really into that. Was I was that funny. was during my lie down time, <laughs> and uh, I never actually <laughs> slept. But I was I was just laying back there and kind of had my eyes half open. I can only see like the top half of the screen because I was you know because the couch is in the way. But um, man, I was really I got into that. Like I love that pitcher batter, um, you know that that the way they do the presentation in that the the camera view, yeah. you know that that TV view perspective but, yeah yeah but also just the the back and forth the actual game itself of because the way like your pitches the way there's the depth perception is really really tough you got to but you, you use the shadow but then the main thing is the catcher's mitt because it moves it doesn't go to immediately where the ball's going to end up though so you're like f- following it and like you know trying to plan out your swings and
0: i was actually I, pretty proud yeah pretty yeah. proud of our 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 pitching, pitching love bases prowess in that game Base loaded, best, best Yeah, best we players.
2: made a, We made a good game of it too. It was back and forth there for a while till the end, and then kind of yeah. pulled away. But that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun trying to figure out fun. how to remember how to play it too, yeah. which is a struggle. Yeah. There for a little bit, a lot of errors.
0: So you can, uh, yeah. All of our highlights of each each game segment are up now on our Twitch TV slash Horrible Night page, and then uh, we're going to put together some some shorter clips and put them on the site in the near future, uh, as well as uh some of the rewards that Ethan's Ethan's working on for are 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 big money donors. So uh, again we thank we thank everybody that uh came out and hung out with us and chat and donated and spread the word word uh, about the charity marathon and um it was a success we had a lot of fun um and it was awesome. All right. Our main topic for this evening. Um this For a lot of conversations lately, um, especially as The Walking Dead has recently concluded, um, uh, gamer choice as far as um, giving the player the ability to affect the story or affect like major arcs um, in games has been a major feature of video games, especially in 2012. With, uh, of course, with Mass Effect 3 ending this year and taking those choices across a, a, a rather large trilogy. And so it started kind of occurring to me, like, where are we going to go from here? And and um, I've also had some very bad experiences with Choice this year. And, like, what what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? So I kind of wanted to uh, kind of get your guys' thoughts on where we think Player Choice is going and what, what some of our favorite moments were. Um, but um, as far as just the standouts from this year... Um, came in on a high note. I don't want to do any spoilers with uh, Mass Effect 3, um, but the thing that I can say about it that surprised me, um, that I think a lot of people will say, is just kind of the... You look at all the options in that game and how wide it was in the middle of Mass Effect 2, as far as just the sheer amount of variety that you could, based on your Shepard's decisions, uh, compared to the funnel that it kind of came back into towards the end of the game um it, it was kind of that was the ultimate letdown let alone l- let alone your feelings on the the ending and the and the content just the fact that in the end it was funneling you still towards an ultimate um an ultimate ending and sure it wrapped up a lot of your choices but uh i think i kind of expected more and i kind of got off onto a, a um the wrong foot this year when i thought gamer choice was going to be really really take off
1: i think the end of that game uh was Unfortunate in in, <laughs> in a lot of ways, but I feel like the uh, the payoff for all the smaller individual yes. storylines throughout the entire game at a very nice pace was uh, extremely satisfying. I was really really happy with all all that, and um and how much of that was uh you know took into consideration with the choices I made. You know they're like I remember. One with no spoilers. One storyline towards the end of it, um, I had an NPC that I didn't that was a minor character. They did a good job with, but it wasn't invested in so much. Do something um, uh, uh, important. Mm -hmm. And in your game, you had a main character that was there in the in Mass Effect One that which would have made a couple of scenes. Have just have a whole lot more weight, mm-hmm. and like that's something where I mean I guess you know, and the reason I didn't have that character is because I made a choice back in the last game in in two um that meant that character wasn't in the game anymore <laughs> because they died.
0: So that kind of leads me to an interesting outcome it was the yeah, what this is is having too much choice is that something. That is a good thing or a bad thing? Because I, I kind of sort of think if it starts to really get out there as far as the variety of choices you have with you know, realistic consequences for all of them, the game can be a lot less enjoyable for a lot of people unless you're playing it in specific ways. And does that, is this trend kind of worrying any of you guys or do you think that they can still push it? I mean, for me, I think that...
2: I don't know, it's... I kind of think that it, it's not a lazy thing to put choice in games because I'm sure it's really difficult to have all those storylines come together. But I think I don't know. Putting the onus on the player to have more control is not necessarily what I'm looking for. I kind of want to like. I don't. I don't continue to read choose your own adventure books as an adult. And um, I think I would just be more appreciative of a straight storyline without necessarily having so many choices and making it so complicated. I think that maybe with the future consoles, the the power of the consoles might make it easier for them to go into different directions in terms of choice. Um, But I don't necessarily think that's the best um, idea.
3: Go ahead, Ethan. Well, I was going to say, I I think it, it really depends because every time I think that I want a lot of choices, the choices I'm given are pretty shallow. Um, aren't really anything that makes me feel like I've accomplished, you know, kind of creating my own story. Um, but I think the intent to tell a if you've got a really heavy story, if you really want to get across a certain message or you want to you know, make a certain character do what you, know, you want that character to do, then obviously you've got the more linear type plots. But I think that this year there were a lot of games out with the claim that you would have a lot more choice. Yeah. And I think that maybe what we expected wasn't what we got. And maybe as a result, we're kind of thinking, eh, you know, maybe... Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Maybe we need to limit it a little bit. I think that you look at games like maybe, um, and I'm I'm talking about in the past, you know, some of the Fallout games where you have all these different layers going on, but you've got to eventually come to a conclusion, and that conclusion can't be so far off that it doesn't make any sense anymore, you know? So you always have to come back together. And I think where Mass Effect 3, according to a lot of people, kind of you know, drop the ball is that, you know, it came to a conclusion. It came to kind of that bottleneck so quickly and so abruptly that it kind of alienated the people that had spent all that time making those choices. But I mean, to write any sort of story, any sort of fiction and have possible, you know, conclusions for all the different things that someone could possibly could, you know, for whether someone could possibly play the game has got to be incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I'm almost, I almost feel more like, I'm more agree with Cole on this in the sense that like, maybe I do want to be led a little bit more than having a complete choice because I I don't know if having, I don't know if it'll be as pure, you know, it'll be as pure having a complete choice, you know, on my own. I think that maybe if that storyline is kind of already out there and I'm just trying to get to it, it's going to be better. There's going to be more to it.
0: I think the problem with Mass Effect three, when compared to some of the more recent successes, which I would which I would point to, The Walking Dead, and then what I've heard uh, about this is so surprising to me. So what I've heard about the campaign choices and Black Ops two, um, is that Mass Effect was rooted. The original Mass Effect was rooted in a gaming era that was very big on like you're making the. You know the Paragon decision, the Renegade decision, good or evil. Like there's really two major paths that you can you can choose, but at the same time they were also selling that you would have all of this these this wide variety of options. And at the time, I even knew I was like, I don't know how you end this in a way that's going to like be one be entertaining and two encapsulate. This shepherd that I built up over the last three games, and I, it, but it was kind of one of those situations like well, if anybody can do it, BioWare can figure it out, and it was like ultimately I understood why they had to kind of rein it back in, and I'm fine with that. But they didn't ever sell it to me that way up until like up until right before the launch of Mass Effect Three. So that was the only thing that kind of frustrated uh, me by it. It was because I was really hoping they would figure this puzzle out. And kind of what I've found um, playing about halfway through The Walking Dead at this point and uh, all the episodes and then um, just like I said, what I've heard about Black Ops 2 is if you can better disguise the choices and not let me know that I'm making them and that I'm doing things much more reactionary because that's how I play The Walking Dead is um, I found... In Mass Effect, I wanted to arc. Uh, I wanted to really wanted to architect my my Shepard. I wanted to have careful control over every decision I made. Walking Dead, I just react. And then Black Ops 2, It sounds like there are just certain things that happen in the story. They might be kind of limited in scope, but like the fact that um, whether or not you choose to chase a guy down and kill him or let him go, like hmm. you may not know that you have that choice in that moment, but he may come back and affect the story. Like those types of. St- those types of changes where I if if you give me the opportunity to discuss the plot line with somebody else that have played it and I discover they had a completely different experience, that is really interesting to me. And um, much more impactful than ultimately where we all kind of know the different flavors of the Mass Effect story if you start to talk to somebody that has played through all those games. So I was really surprised to be kind of going to the end of 2012 with The Walking Dead and Black Ops 2 making more of an impact for player choice than what was supposed to be like well, you know the the almost standard bear uh, kind of uh, faltering a little bit at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah, I still think Mass Effect um has done the most with the choice stuff. I mean, because they've actually spread that across three games and it stays consistent. But yeah, there 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 could have been you're you're still the like the conclusions of the different missions are still largely unaffected by those, you know, a char- like they just swap out a character, but like the same thing happens, like the character I was talking about or the situation I was talking about earlier. The the, the conclusion is the same either way. Like, so how much of that decision I made in Mass Effect 1 or 2 really affected, you know, the, the game? Not really much at all. So, but that's, we're at, you know, we're asking a lot when we sure. say like, you know what, I want to be able to completely change the 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 flow of the game from an early part in the game, like man, just think about how much extra content they have to create that yeah. people will never see.
0: That's why but that was kind cost like, money. And that, was like know, that's kind of like why I no one else had had attempted it, and I was like, holy shit, they're gonna try to do this, mm-hmm. and then you start to see the limits that they had to work within, and um, you know, the, the it just kind of yes, it was it was too big of an expectation, but they you know they they kind of took it on and uh, the kind of the fact that they kind of misrepresented themselves was was pretty frustrating as a as a as a fan. Um, but um, at the same time, I understand uh, why why they made those choices. But my my question is: um, Would that even if they figured that out, would that necessarily be entertaining? Because I keep wondering if you, you do it right, there are going to be paths that aren't fun or aren't entertaining just based on their nature. Yeah, and then. Gamer's gonna turn on it for that reason. So do we really want choices? Everyone is always talking question.
1: about it, multiple endings is the first choice thing that we've had. And we've had a lot in a lot of games. A lot of games have had multiple endings. And but they're not and it usually comes down to like at the end of the game, like what do you do? Like uh the Force Unleashed. You're gonna attack who are you gonna kill? Vader or the Emperor? Like <laughs> or you know, try to kill or whatever. And that's uh you know that but the rest of the game doesn't matter. You know, and those things like there are good and bad endings, like almost every time, and most of, most of the time, that's that was the point. Like, you know, well, you can get the good ending if you, you know, do certain things with a certain amount of time and all that stuff. You know, Samus will take her helmet off. You know, <laughs> but that's not really like that's not really the choice that we that we're looking for. Yeah, like that's not how we want to affect the story. I don't think. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like the things I want to do is like I wanna I want to feel like in a game that gives me choice to. Do or not do something, or A and B, like that, whatever I do is ac- actually going to make a difference in the storyline to the characters that are yeah. involved in that thing at the end of the day, which, you know, according to Butterfly Effect, will change everything about the game. Yeah. So, the consequence mm-hmm. to it. Right. And, but that, yeah. ne- that doesn't have, that's Mass Effect couldn't that's do impossible. it. That's impossible. It's yeah. impossible. Right. Well,
3: right because you're looking at games the only way you could possibly even come close to doing that is if you are guaranteeing that you're not going to have a sequel to that game and if you if you think that you're going to have a sequel i mean if you're going in there and you you create a powerhouse story you give all these people anticipation about what was going to happen next you better understand that you're not going to have a sequel you're just not like and with mass effect they got to the third game and they couldn't do much more outside of that because, again, there's limitations that come with it. So, I mean, I think that in terms of choice, you've got to say you can keep it within the same mythology. You know, uh, again, I'm always going to go back to Fallout, those games, which, again, they they gave you choice (laughs) up until a certain point, but, again, you came to a bottleneck, but they were two different storylines going on. So if you want to do that, perfectly fine. Keep with it, but you're not going to be able to continue the canon of one storyline into the next And I think Mass Effect came as close as I think you could possibly come uh, without just spending millions on creating, you know, an infinite amount of, you know, alternate endings.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you have like 100 choices to make in a game or a set of games like a Mass Effect and, you know, you have to program for each one of those questions being answered differently by somebody else, you know, and... That part of it is isn't just impossible. And I don't think necessarily that's anything that we want to have in games. Like like Ethan said, at a Fallout, I can picture, you know, I'm going to choose to do this set of missions because my character would do that instead of something different. And maybe that's the more the choice of we would like to have in terms of story and saying, you know, maybe that person wants to do everything. That's fine. But try to limit the... Choices of who lives, who dies, stuff like that. Um, I don't know, don't it just seems too impossible to grasp in terms of keeping that story coherent? And, um, yeah, i have lost the point I was going to try to make. I,
4: I,
0: know, I know, I know you guys have said, um, that you don't necessarily want to play a choose your own adventure game, um, based on like. I I have always related video games to choose your own adventure books because those things just enamored me as a kid. Like I was just completely fascinated with them. But the one part that I liked about them was when I made the wrong choice, the game was the, it ended but, immediately. Yeah, right. and I'm,
1: and there's not many games. Mm-hmm. Corona is maybe the only game I can think of that actually did that.
0: And I want to. I think that's what I want. I want to see somebody try to do yeah. that and present it in that fashion. Like you, you. I think you have to let the gamer know if you. Fuck up, or you choose,
1: you choose wrong, um, or you could win. You could yeah, win. I can yeah. have
2: a consequence. You yeah. could.
1: You could also. It's not just like a a game over state right. necessarily, right? I mean, it could just be like, hey, you you did the thing. Yeah. yeah. And and maybe
0: and I think you can do that without having like one absolute path, but like just if I enter a game knowing that I could make a decision that ends it letting me know up front I have a completely different mindset than if it's a surprise. Then I'm frustrated and I don't want to replay it, but mm-hmm. um, I think there's still something there with um, you know, I've, we've, you guys basically, Josh and Ethan, introduced me to at least the appreciation of roguelikes in the last year and a half um, and I enter those games with a completely different mindset knowing just the concept of permadeath that if I fuck up, this it could be over, and taking that to a higher level with some na- add some narrative. And I th- I think mm-hmm. there are gamers and then I also see on the other side of you know the kind of the, the more masochist gamers that like you know were attracted to the, the hardcore games the 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 dark souls. Like mm-hmm. that audience is starting to grow again and there might there might be something there. I still think it'll have to be tighter than you know I don't think you tackle it with a trilogy of games, but because that was the other just Holy shit! Because you know, the high point of Mass Effect Two is just like that—that that really when the, you know, when the diamond's at its widest point, when in the middle of that game, in that of the middle of the trilogy, it just feels like anything could happen, and then it starts to uh, whittle itself like, down. But if you keep if you constrain that to one game, I think I think it could make for a really memorable experience.
2: I think uh, I'm interested to see what you're going to think about like the zombie you experience in terms of. You know, you're know, you playing a character for so many minutes and then die, and then you're at a different character. That's more of the roguelike style than a storyline style, but um, I don't know. It, that might be the kind of thing that you're more looking forward in terms
0: of well, so, choice
2: or this theory of choice.
0: So I've played a, I've played a couple hours of Zombie U, and I'm playing it like a roguelike and enjoying it as as such. If it did have more more narrative and more like... Character development and character consequence. Um, I think it would it would it would seem a little bit deeper and kind of have um Right. Um it could have a wider I think it that would that would give roguelikes a wider appeal. Like it would give somebody else a, yeah. a
4: hook.
3: Yeah. But I think you'd be pissed. I think you'd be pissed because as soon as the thing about roguelikes is you don't have to invest in the character. You don't have to necessarily invest in the story. What you're creating is your own scenario. You're creating your own enjoyment. Your goal is to surpass your last milestone. And that is perfectly okay because you're not trying to figure out what's going to happen next. You know, uh, and again, and I'm speaking generally about roguelikes, but again, you come to a point where you know, you die, okay, you haven't lost much. But I think if you introduce the roguelike genre to the storyline, you're going to be pissed because you're going to want to know what happens next and you have to start over. And if you happen to be in one of those roguelikes that is completely unforgiving, you may never come to that conclusion. And I think that that's where there's definitely a, a, a you know, a separation between – A storyline driven game, a linear game where you have one storyline and it's thick and it's full of just plot and character and all this stuff. And then you have that game that's not so much. It's about the gameplay and finding that happy medium is really difficult. And I think I just I just imagine playing, you know, like like a Dungeons of Dreadmore and there being like this really intense storyline. And just you're just oh man, I can't wait to find out what happens next. And then you die like on the second level after you put all this time into it. Diggle. And I'd be like, oh man, you're killing me. As opposed to you know, right now when I play that game, I'm like, yeah, that's okay. I'll just start somebody new. You
0: know, the the I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys played Infinity Blade, but the one little aspect from the story that I that I liked was that every time you died, you were basically the next generation of that hero, like his son, and it just kept going, and it took you. Nine or twelve bloodlines to actually finally kill this, this ultimate boss. And, um, it, sure, it was, it's,
1: it's kind of silly, but just like, like I said, it, it, there, there's room to play there. Okay. Now imagine that concept, but the world changed yeah. and was, you know, 20 years later and actually reflected that. started now, as a medieval game, and then all of a sudden you accomplish <laughs> it in,
4: in a troll. on world. the moon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I don't, like, I think there are some really cool ideas there that haven't been explored in very interesting ways. Like, even like like the zombie you thing. Um, like, you know, what if, now picture that scenario, like, what if it was just like a, um... These were like incursions in, into time or something, and somebody's sending like you know Terminator style, like a dude at a time or whatever. Like, oh, we didn't change it. We got to go back and try it again. Um, like that kind of stuff. You could you know do something neat with. But I want to say something else about the choice and affecting. We're always talking about like the storylines and and like our our party members dying and stuff like that. But there's also like these smaller moment to moment choices that we make um, regarding the lives of NPCs and. <laughs> I want to say like I think that the the games have just been doing the same thing for too long. It's like it they either completely take away my choice. It's like well like uh there's a I hate that there's like a right and a wrong way to do something. And I'm not talking about a game like Saints Row because you just murder everyone and it's whatever, but you're also not invested in those characters. But like in a game where you're like a uh you know, a marine or or space marine or something and then um you enter a new level or an area And one of your buddies is engaged with an enemy in close combat. The whole purpose of that animation is so that they will die, and so then that you'll. But you can. But sometimes you can like shoot the. You know, if you shoot the bad guy fast enough, you save him. That kind of thing. Like I'm getting so I'm like I'm really tired of that. Or at the very least, make make those characters like people that I give a damn about. You know, or like, like, get me, make me like attached to a dude and then show, and then walk into an area and then I'm like, oh God, that's Sanders. And then, and then he dies and I'm like, oh, fuck. and then I get really mad about it. Other, cause I'm not mad when they die, just I'm frustrated. Cause I'm like, oh, I didn't save another one of my guys. Yeah.
2: Then you make a video series online
1: about it.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. me, you know, I'm, I'm sure Ethan is, is, um, has affected me. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, you what,
3: you, let me tell you a game that, that did this. Somewhat well with one character, Resident Evil One. Barry Burton. <laughs> I'm telling you, not dead, the man. I've ever gotten in a game, yeah. and that was a game that did not like. You didn't know, like that, you were going to make that decision, like how he died. And again, that 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 game was. Uh, it's an older game. I understand, but there was there were certain a- things that changed within that storyline, and a lot of people forget about that that. Based entirely on what paths you took, and not saying yes I will go here, no I will go there, but literally like how you decided to move throughout the mansion, and I mean there could be a point where Barry died, I mean, where Barry got killed, he hand you a picture of his wife and kid, and you if you didn't cry then you have no soul basically is, is what it came <laughs> down to. I mean, but I mean that kind of stuff. I like think I that's think just the here's most my thing. big issue with choice. I don't want to know. I think he, here's my conflict with it is it Walking Dead did a pretty good job with this because what it did was it gave me... I, I had very little time to make my decision. But I don't want to know that I'm going to do this or that. I, I want to come across it. You know, I want, to, I want it to randomly happen. I want to shoot this dude, and then because I shot that guy, this guy dies. Like, I don't want to just say, yes, I will go down this path, and I'm going to save Frank. Or no, I'm going to go down that path, and I'm going to save Bill. You know what I mean? Like, it... Games have to do a better job of of not tricking you, but making you kind of really think about and and, and do kind of a double take on the decisions you make. I mean, and I think but, Walking Dead was one of those yeah. did a really good job of that.
1: Do you remember in Metal Gear Solid Three, uh, the hmm, what was the name? The end? Ass? No, no, that was a uh, two. <laughs> uh where um, I can't remember which boss fight it was, but it's you're going down. The, you're walking down the river, and you see all the dead. Enemies that you killed throughout the whole game. If you kill, because you can be non-lethal in that game, but but it's in in Snake Eater. You it's much more fun to kill everything um, than it was in any of the other Metal Gear games. And cause I killed a lot of dudes. And you have to play this level where you're just, you're like just trudging down this this river upstream, and all these all these ghosts are coming at you and. You have to pass all these guys, and like the the more dudes you kill, the longer this level is. If you don't kill anybody, it's just like you know it takes like ten seconds. Oh. Um, like imagine if you had to every time you lost one of your NPC bros, you had to attend their funeral. You know, and like and you and you have to go up yeah. and have a, a conversation, like a dialogue with their wives. I like or their husbands.
3: You got to hand them the kids.
0: Oh, see, Cole and I are instantly annoyed, and Ethan is
3: just—he's
0: going (laughs) for something deep. But
3: but I I mean, I think the thing is like, but you're touching on a point that video games haven't been able to to fully. I don't know. I don't get sad in video games. Well, I get sad, but unrealistically. (laughs) But like a game that's actually trying to make me sad, like you don't have that impact of losing an NPC, and I think we had, you know, a couple of months back, we wrote about death in gaming, and, um, I mean, it's kind of like just throwaway, you know? Like, oh, yeah. this guy's dead, whatever, let's it, move on. Yeah, you know, we can I, still win if this guy's dead. Yeah, guy you can died. reload
2: your save, or yeah. you have another guy to use. Yeah.
3: yeah. They and, need and to be more montages, if, if you know? That.
0: I think we just want more impact with our, with our choices, and to feel like, mm. and to know that we're actually affecting affecting the game world. And then like I said, I there's just something about making those choices, not realizing the the bit the not like not making them through menus and just absolute evil or good and like making them in the moment and then just like I said, discovering that somebody else played that game and had a completely different experience. You, you
1: know what Skyrim actually does an okay job at that stuff. Like right. Where, where just random people in the world you can affect their lives and kind of see the consequences yeah, of yeah, it. There's it. actually several times and in, in, or and in, and I guess Oblivion probably did it too pretty well, but Skyrim. It I, also separate. Like, oh, I shouldn't have killed that guy. He's a dad, you know. Like.
0: It also separated out that up. stuff from the main story. Like I felt like I'm okay with like I need to have this main kind of campaign, main story beats there, but just the fact that. My world in Skyrim probably feels a lot different than your world in Skyrim. Yeah. And that, I think that's ultimately one of its strengths. And I, I hadn't even considered that as far as, you know, in my in my choice games, just because it's much more organic in that in in like, that
1: setting. I wonder I wonder if there would be a way to make people feel bad for playing a game like you would uh, just killing with you know just just running like rough shot over the town, like you did with Saints Row or Ga- Grand Theft Auto or whatever. And you're just like I, I don't care what happens to anything or anybody. Someone's car blows up, <laughs> I whatever. Would, I would ran over this old woman, whatever.
0: I would love to have logged off and, after Ethan and I's Saints Row section session, and it like have this like kind of montage video of all the lives that we affected. Like they do, with- like the
1: Talking <laughs> Dead uh, things yeah. they do at the after those those shows, uh, the Talking Dead show after Walking Dead's on. Uh, but well, just I mean, but just something where like where you have. Um, like say it's a hollow man game. You remember that movie hollow man, Mm -hmm. Kevin Bacon, you know, so you're, you're like invisible and, um, and you can go around just being an asshole, but they actually program like everybody to just to grieve and to, you know, like, so you can like, you go and you could just be a serial killer. You can just like go into anyone's house and kill them. But then you can also sit there and watch what happens afterwards, and you see the police come and you see, you know, they're trying to answer questions. They're like, they don't know why this terrible thing happened to them. And you're like, you're just standing there, like in the window, just like watching this, like, oh no. I mean, would people feel bad? I think this would be a good way to determine whether or not, like, people are well adjusted or not. Like, should you actually (laughs) be playing these games? Like, this is, this would be the game.
3: I think you would 100% feel bad because I, as much as I like to think that a lot of people that play games just want to kill everybody, the reason it's easy to kill people is because there's no, like, who cares? They just die. and they're, They they don't have an impact on the world, necessarily. As soon as you increase that impact, you, you feel worse, you know? I mean, it's the difference between hearing about someone dying, you know, a thousand miles away from you and hearing about someone dying close within your town or someone within your close knit group of friends. I mean, that is the kind of stuff that they haven't touched on. So let's say every time that you kill somebody accidentally on purpose, there's an obituary. And then, and then maybe the game just, you know, manufactures this story, you know, like, (laughs) Oh, this guy gave, you know, his life to saving puppies. And he was so good at what if you're the guy at the paper that writes the obits and you have to write the obituaries so your, for all these people you kill. That's your side job. So maybe, maybe it's like you know, like a Saint and You have to pick up side jobs, and one of your side jobs, like, oh, I just need you to write some obituaries, and you're writing the obituaries for everyone that you killed. You're like and fucked people up. People are writing some great stuff,
0: dude. That's a great like serial killer story.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the cover
0: of a
4: this, yeah.
0: obituary writer. We're actually uncovering a lot of disturbing. I think. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. The, the developer that's going to make that game of a Hollow
2: Man game is Quantic Dream. Yeah, like, that was, seems like a heavy rain. That's
3: what
0: I was thinking.
2: Type game.
3: Yeah. I can see that. But again, the, yeah, I want I want
1: dishonored really like that kind of style play because I want to be able to also like kill people in cool ways. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, just just uh, cuz
3: well, I guess
0: I've I guess I've realized this year that hmm. I actually want a wider amount of choice in a more confined area rather than like an entire open universe mm. that as i like, like I felt like I just, I just set the bar. My expectations too high and I was, I was let down. And the fact that I know the scope is a little bit more limited in, uh, black ops two and The walking dead. And, and then you just mentioned dishonored the fact that like each mission feels like its own little playground, but like the entire world doesn't feel like it. Um, I I felt much more in control. You're okay with that? Yeah, like and it, it was much yeah. more enjoyable. And I I was I was much more invested in my individual decisions to kill mm-hmm. the the next guard or to let him live or to take care of this side mission on my way. Like I I felt much. There was something about that. Oh, granted, a lot of that is that the world is so rich uh, sure. in general. Uh, but I I felt value to each of my decisions and felt like. I was playing the. I was making the game my own. That I knew, you're playing it completely different than me. But um, and and I want to see more of that. Um, and uh, I just I don't know where the the bigger ones are going wrong. I guess.
1: Yeah, there are, there are uh, that game's full of choices. Like what? There's a there's a mission where you go into a brothel, and have you not you seen that part yet? Not yet. Well, you're going to you're going to kill some dudes, and there's guards and. It's it's too much fun to to kill people. I I, I pretty much kill everyone and uh, let the rats come. I don't care. What are they gonna do to me? I can possess them, like whatever. <laughs> and uh, but there's you're in this brothel and there's this guy. I'm like I'm going up to to take this guy out who's like passed out drunk, and there's a prostitute that's with him and she starts making noise, and I'm like I that's I was actually sitting there going oh oh you need to shut up like. <laughs> Please be quiet. But I my I can't tell her that I'm talking at the screen. You know, I'm like what do I do I. Oh my God, do I kill her? Like this is awful. <laughs> and I I didn't. Just in case anybody cares. Oh, um, the,
0: the Walking Dead's great at that. But oh, there's you know just
1: those moments like oh God, what are you like? You know, there's just it's convenient, but it's a thing. It's like a. But you
0: still you still felt mm, bad doing it. Like
1: yeah, I would have. Yeah, I, I I decided not to. I was like, well, whatever. I can just. It doesn't matter. I'll kill the other, anybody else that comes because they hear her talking or the, yelling.
0: The other, the other good thing about this generation, and I mainly relate this to, um, it's easily easy to relate this to Rockstars games. Um, just jumping from the level of realism that Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption had in their game worlds, uh, even versus versus Saints Row. But I found myself compelled to based on the, the gravity of the world around me, compelled to play my character in a certain way rather than doing the kind of just fuck-around stuff that I do in Saints Row or the earlier GTAs because um, just the technology is enabling us to get more invested in these game worlds, and um, I think they can take advantage of that uh, a lot more uh, next generation. So,
1: um, I, just I, thought, I thought one more really, really heavy game idea. <laughs> you run an animal shelter. And the game Tokyo parts, jungle? the game parts are you try to, you're trying to get people to adopt these animals, and through you know whatever parts of the gameplay, and if you but if you fail at it, you have to put them down, you have to put the animals down yourself, like that. It's you know the punishment you take for losing you to the
0: farm, where they have a place yeah, to run
1: around. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You definitely put them out to pasture. Like that would be. Oh man, that and, sounds like a terrible game. Well, yeah, it'd be super <laughs> depressing, obviously, but. I don't um, think we... Yeah. <laughs> Depressing's not the right... Though, Humane really Society not. should should commission a company to make this game.
0: <laughs> well,
2: yeah, that'll, that'll like make their adoptions go
1: through the roof, because nobody wants to have <laughs> the dogs killed.
2: Right, exactly. That's genius.
1: <laughs> no, it's Chats. calling for DayZoo. That's a Day zoo expansion.
0: Um, I do want to take a little uh, sidetrack here and just go over some of our favorite choices we've ever made in video games. Cole, how about you? Kick us off. Um, it was in mass effect 2 um that
2: journalist that always was trying to interview you i don't remember what her name was but i punched her in the face and it was very satisfying <laughs>
0: <all that> <laughs> again i mean the smaller choices in that series still have a lot of weight and are very entertaining especially even mm-hmm. like the the mid level story arcs those i still thought those paid off really well ethan
1: ethan's
4: gone ethan's not on, jo- on it. josh
1: um Actually I also have a, a Mass Effect one. Um but uh it's a little different. Mass Effect three. I for the first time I was juggling romances. I yeah. knew exactly who I wanted to be with in one and two. And it was just like it was straight up. It was Ashley and then it was uh what's her name? Chick from Chuck. Miranda. Miranda. And Miranda. uh yeah, it was she was awesome, right? But then in three I'm like, Oh man. They did something with Liara. I don't know if it was the it was the um is the animator, or the modeler, or the the writer, or the voice actor, or a combination of all of the above? But I was, I was enamored, and I thought like, oh man, I need to time for a switcheroo. But then, then there's all these other characters that were coming in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of new opportunities for romance, and just having the 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 constant like, every every time I had one of those conversations that could make or break those relationships, I always chose the right one to string it along until very late in the game when it was like, okay, what are you gonna do? You know, shit I got off the pot. And uh and I got to I got to hook up with Liara, but I got to have these relationships. I got to like date all these other women and um I was really proud of the choices because I, I made all the right choices just to do that. And I would never do that in real life. You know? I would I was, I would never be that smooth. And I just felt like my Shepherd was just like he was space pimping. <laughs> And Sorry. I was really proud of that. It was due to my choices. My, my favorite
0: kind of out of character moment was Fable 2, where I just, man, I went as evil as possible in this game. Just, oh, it was it was dark. Hello. It was dark.
1: Tough there times was, um, where you. Did you drink a lot of like Jim Beam during those days? Yeah, <laughs> a Yeager's wore a lot of like cut off <laughs> sleeve T shirts. Smoked a lot of cigarettes. Yeah,
0: while I'm playing, um,
1: camels, no filter. <laughs>
0: Um there's a moment in Fable Two where you come across a a gentleman where I believe you have to go and recover a lot of his dead wife 's like heirlooms so that he can resurrect her and uh, part of this is also something to do with like a love potion um that you come to find out okay when he resurrects his dead wife, the first person she sees she 's gonna fall in love with, and I was like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, he triggered the uh transformation I and, imme- and I immediately killed him and stole his stole his dead wife. And I don't there just it stood out as far as just one of the more evil things I've done and
3: wow, I really dude, like, I would never do something like that. That's <laughs> fucking horrible. Yeah, it
0: is really messed up. I later oh, killed her and my yeah. and and was upset that it wouldn't never mind. Um <laughs> Um, no, that game lets you do some dark stuff, and that was—I don't know—that uh, I never really liked the overall story to the fable games, but the individual moments um, were some of the best um, <laughs> cho- choices, uh, choice experience that I've been through. Ethan, what's a standout
3: choice that you've made? Get Sorry, my cat's being really had a really bad choice of. Buying this fucking cat, That's one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Uh, you put him down. Perhaps the best choice I think I've ever made was who I sided with in, in Fallout um, New Vegas. I know I always talk about that game, but I sided with the the uh, New California Republic, um, and I was a little bit a little bit torn um, because they seemed a little bit oppressive. But in the end, the, uh, the Caesar's army, uh, was a little bit too, uh, cut everybody's heads off for me, you know? So <laughs> I felt pretty good about, you know, yeah, by the end of it, like I was like, Oh, I'm actually probably not that bad of a guy. Um, so I felt pretty good about that.
0: Any other, any other standouts? Just open, open the, open the floor now.
2: Um, and we talked about GTA earlier, um, there's a major choice in GTA 4 that I I liked. Um, well, it wasn't a major choice, but it was killing. You could kill Playboy X, or I forget what the other guy's name is. And oh yeah, your but I, I, I thought that was a satisfying choice to yeah. make in the game. Um, Who did you pick? You, I killed Playboy X because yeah. I wanted his apartment. Yeah.
1: Do we just? Uh, talk, I feel like we talked about this recently cause I remember because I did the same another, thing. It was another podcast.
2: Yeah, they talked about it, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought that was a, that was something that stood out in GTA Four. Me. I can't remember a whole lot about it, but that was one.
1: What you got, Josh? Mm. Uh, I was going to say um, this is not, this is kind of a choice. It's like a Metal Gear Solid One where you're getting tortured. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a choice there to just like b- brutally injure your thumb or. You know, you can just say, like, well, I could just let this go. And I don't remember what the consequence was now. It's been a really long yeah, time. I don't remember time. either. But I just remember at the time thinking, like, I can't, I can't like, no. Meryl You're dies. You gotta save Snake. It was Meryl? Yeah,
3: if you don't. It was Meryl's yeah, life? Yeah, Meryl dies, if okay. you don't. Uh, yeah, it was sure, something big. Right?
1: Yeah, or like she was threatened. I don't know if she actually would die or not. I don't know what the, what the consequence was because uh, every time I played it, there was no way in hell I was going to let that happen. I was just like, no. I made a choice of, like, I'm going to. Just destroy this controller and and you have to you really you gotta have to you have to have fast thumbs and uh wow. I developed a technique with my thumb because of that game that to this day like I can anything where I gotta like hit buttons faster than you, I'll beat your ass <laughs> because of metal Gear and uh <laughs> I got to the point where the last time I played that game the the little bar the meter didn't even move the whole time nice. it was like oh man it's it's handy for other stuff too
0: <laughs> um <laughs> One of my... Oh, I, I want to go back to my Fallout memory. It was My fa- favorite Fallout choice is when I broke the game um, in Fallout 3. Uh, when I... Basically, the the end game decision revolves around surviving a bunch of radiation. And I have a member of my party that can tolerate any amount of radiation. And I was like, why don't you go in there? And um, it wouldn't let you make that decision. <laughs> and um, But just it stands out as a a a moment where choice was <laughs> very important and it kind of broke on it uh broke on me and then later they patched it so um i could finally play the game the way that i wanted um and then um i also wanted to point out like in the, in the walking dead my favorite moment so far was in episode 1 uh when you finish when you finish the episode it goes through all the major choices you've made and then compares your choice to what everybody else has made. And then there was one significant moment of basically choosing, will this character live, or will you save this character or this character? And um, I was, like, 100% confident in my choice. And then it's really satisfying to go back and see, holy shit, everyone disagrees with me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that kind of elevated that game a little bit in my mind. So um, I want to wrap up the this segment uh, kind of talking through do we want more or less choice going forward? Like we've had a lot of ideas, some more uh reasonable or p- potentially possible than others. Um but I don't know, I just I've been thinking I've been thinking a lot heading into the, the air we're going to ramp up to our game game of the year discussion, and I thought Mass Effect 3 was my shoe in. Uh uh, for the and it's kind of just from that experience has changed my outlook on the entire entire year and I'm kind of wondering, do I want to invest in a game like that again, or or, or do I want more um, linear experiences? Be kind of curious to see where you guys where you guys are at right now. Mm,
3: it depends. <laughs> uh, I think you gotta have both. I, I mean, you really do have to have both. I mean, I have played a lot of games that have really great linear storylines. Um, but there's going to be a time that I want to kind of make a few little, little decisions myself, but I think there's never going to be a time where I'm going to be able to play a game and it be a good game that I can make any decision that I've ever wanted to make. So again, I, it just kind of depends on my mood. Right now, I'm really looking for a really solid storyline, uh, so I, I'm probably going to be leaning more towards that right now. I think we're at a good
2: balance of games that have a lot of choice and games that have absolutely no choice. Um and I don't necessarily think that it needs to go one way or the other. I think it's um I think the games maybe need to polish their I mean, you said The Walking Dead's pretty good at what it does, um and Mass Effect was a little less good, um, I guess. <laughs> uh so I think maybe that needs to be cleaned up a little bit if we're gonna have this these major choice games. But um as it stands, I think the balance between having choice and not having choice in the in all the games that we play is is pretty good.
1: I would be okay with another mass effect like series that ha- that turned out as as well as that one did, I think. But in so many games that do have choice, like if we're going to continue with this current trends of the good and evil meter Yeah, I would rather just at the beginning of the game pick whether or not I'm gonna play a good guy or a bad guy from a menu, and to just give me because I will always go all in one way or the other.
0: Yeah, if if your middling decisions aren't worth experiencing, yeah, I'd rather. That's kind of where I had given up on it. That's a good point. At the middle of the year, when it it just, um, yeah, when it's just, it it really is the extremes are the most interesting outcomes and. They no one was able to pull off the middle of the road stuff, but um, well kind of I I really want to see where where kind of the Walking Dead evolves things and and keep laughing at the fact that Black Ops Two has just kind of opened up my my eyes, like giving me choices when I don't know I'm making choices. That seems
1: like yeah, I guess I haven't I'm not that far in yet, or um, I missed something. Yeah, I, but I'm pretty sure I didn't.
0: I just um I, I think that. And I don't think that they nailed it, but I think they've uncovered a, a new direction for it that is much more interesting than the absolute the absolute good and evil side. So, um, and I feel like I feel like developers know that they've been trying to get away. Even you know, even games like um, Infamous that hinge on being mm. being good or evil or picking a side, um, they've had to try to make the middle of the roads a little bit more interesting. And I think they they're not i w- I don't think we'll see as many games be that polar anymore
1: which is a good thing but yeah. you know like that i think that's for superhero games especially um they've always kind of had that I, I with infamous like again i'm like all one way or all the other you don't see comic book characters really in the in in the gray area and even when they're like don't have a problem killing people like a punisher or something like that they're still not like they're not just going like Meh. Nah, you know, it's all about, it's like a classic D alignment stuff. You're the, you know, you're either good yeah. or evil. Like, there's no neutrals because neutral's not fun. <laughs> you can be lawful good or chaotic good, but you're not, no one wants to be a neutral. It's just, uh, it's like, it's boring. So every game should have nine outcomes.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's probably a better start. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I think that's gonna, uh, do it for, uh, our discussion this evening. Um, let us know what you think about game choice and where you think it's headed, uh, in the comments, uh, on horrible We post these episodes every Wednesday and record them live every Tuesday night. Um, before we get out of here though, HorribleNight.com updates. I did mention, um, that we will be posting highlights of our charity marathon, uh, here in the next week. And then also we'll be leading, we're leading up to our game of the year discussions with, which kicks off in two weeks with the next episode of the horrible show, uh, when we start, kind of willing down what are categories uh, that we'll be voting on uh this year, which is always fun. And we'll be interactive for the for those in chat. Help us uh try to find some of the big um you know, popular uh, the, the big themes of twenty twelve and some of the lesser themes that uh might be worth hanging out a Grimy or two for. Um so that'll be coming your way in two weeks and then of course Super Gaming Best Friends will be back next week. And uh so that's gonna do it for our show this evening. Um, and if you're sticking around and chat we will be doing some live gaming as we always do after these podcasts and if you're signing off now we'll catch you next time thanks